Hello, my friends. It's the show. Welcome to it. Yeah, it's the, who starts their podcast. It's the show. You know which show it is. You clicked on the button. Hopefully not on accident. Uh, Rob Z Radio. Today, an awesome guest, Kenny Dodson. Uh, but before we get to him, I, I like to feature a bunch of the other people that I've had on the podcast. One of my favorite guests in the whole wide world is Sarah Vogel. So let's uh, let's hear from Sarah real quick before we get into the thick of things, shall we? This is Sarah Vogel from episode 257 of the podcast. Uh, she owns the Clay Cup in Altoona, PA. Sarah, what is one of your daily disciplines you could share? Rob, I think one of my daily disciplines would be, first of all, to drink as much water as I possibly can. But more importantly, I think I try to take creative time every day, whether that's like actual physical painting creative time or mental, like where I'm thinking about, okay, what is my next project going to be and kind of brainstorming. I definitely am doing that daily and I think that's how I continue to just keep things new and fresh and always creating something. I'm curious, whenever you're in creative thinking mode, where are you? Do you have a certain spot you have to go to? Like, how do you get into that mindset? Um, if I'm actually painting, then I'm usually in my studio, which is in my home. Mm-hmm. But if it's just something that I'm thinking about, I do that anywhere. Like okay. driving, laying in bed, like anytime. For me, always, I get the best ideas when I walk. So if I'm like stuck on something, I'll go for a walk and stuff will come to me. Sometimes it's when I'm peeing, honestly, <laughs> like in the bathroom. It's a short span of time. I know, it's you... short, but I, I you... have like a quiet moment and I'm like thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, I should paint that next. I'm adding two things together, drinking lots of water. Yes. So there's a lot of moments for peeing. For which creative means a lot... time. Oh my gosh, you're a genius. <laughs> you just I'm... combined them together. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thank you. Mind blown. That is from episode, uh, Sarah's from episode 257 of the podcast. And honestly, I would listen to that episode in every small business brainstorm because Sarah's on all of those episodes as well. And they are all a ton of fun. Speaking of being a ton of fun, Kenny Dodson on the show today. So uh, the PA Traveler is a half hour long travel show based in Good old Pennsylvania. It follows Kenny Dodson as he explores the things to do in Pennsylvania. So the cool thing about this is Kenny decided to do this show because, you know, he grew he grew up, was born and raised in the same place that I was, central Pennsylvania. And when you live somewhere, you kind of take that place for granted. You think, oh, nothing ever happens in this stupid town, this stupid state. Well, it turns out many awesome things do happen. And I had the same experience as Kenny. For many, many years, wanted to get out of here, wanted to leave, and then... Through my elder age, my my infinite wisdom, I realized how awesome, beautiful, and amazing Pennsylvania can be. Now, Kenny actually did leave for a long time and did some awesome things. So, uh, amazingly enough, he traveled around the country. He lived in L.A., he lived in Texas, he lived in Florida, uh, and a few other places, and actually became a film editor on major motion pictures. Yeah, how crazy is that? So that, that was another reason that I really wanted to get him in here because he edited films like We Bought a Zoo, Saving Mr. Banks, Broken City, uh, just to name a few. You can check out his credits. Search for him on his own. But he is the host, creator, producer, director, co-writer, and editor for the PA Traveler, which helps show people from and not from Pennsylvania, how beautiful Pennsylvania actually can be. And I can't wait for you to hear his story because it's pretty awesome. Now, as far as the sponsors go, we just had Sarah on, right? She just talked a second ago. She runs the Clay Cup, 1304 11th Avenue in Altoona. Uh, Facebook and Instagram is the Clay Cup. Coffee, tea, freshly baked items, pottery, painting, watercolor classes. She brings food, drinks, 
and artistic abilities all together in one spot at the Clay Cup. And also a shout out to Trade Secrets, 1223 13th Avenue in Altoona. Uh, Secrets and Trade on Facebook. Natural body care products, okay? It's all made in-house. All the research is done by Andy. And then it's sold by Steph. They're a husband and wife couple who run this business. Uh, they make sugar scrubs, bath bars, all natural deodorants, lip balms, body lotions, whipped body butters, good things for your body that aren't going to cause any weird reactions whenever you take those items. Do you know what I'm saying? So that's that's the beauty of Trade Secrets. 1223 13th Avenue in Altoona. Make sure you check them out. And also Juice, 517 Allegheny Street in Hollidaysburg at The Juice Bar on Facebook and Instagram. J-O-O-S, The Juice Bar. Cold pressed juice and smoothies, smoothie bowls, bone broth, all fresh and made to order. My friends, let's start the show. This is Rob Z Radio. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. Kenny Dodson joining me here today. Hello. Hello there, sir. First time on a podcast? First time doing anything, uh, being the host of my show. Yes! So, this first three, appearance. Three guests in a row, first time podcasters. Oh, no way. It's exciting. Ray Overdorf, Steve Sheets, now you. Oh, okay. You're in good company. I am. That's a very good <laughs> company to be in. So, uh, before we got started... Uh, we were just talking about something that I stopped the conversation on because I love the way it was going. Uh, the you build it, they will come mentality of for, Pennsylvania for film industry for the film industry. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've been in the industry for a, how many years? What's your? I graduated from Penn State in 2010. Okay, so eight years. And you've been all over the country uh, to L.A. to Austin and New York, New Miami. York. Wilmington, North Carolina. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Working in the Hollywood film industry. You're a, a video editor. Yes. And now you're back in PA. Welcome back. Thank you. How it's good to be back. Nice weather today. Oh, yeah. Once. For sure. It only rains like, I'd say, 25 days out of the month. Not that big of a deal. <laughs> Not that big of a it's deal. Decent. I mean, the thing about LA is it never rained or did any weather yeah. at all. And everyone calls it perfect. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, it sort of is, but... Mm. You know, you once you get a rainy day, me and, and my wife, we were just like so ecstatic. We're like, thank God there's rain. You know, yeah. there's something else to look at yeah. other than blue sky and no clouds. Yeah. So it's like uh, the perfect thing can turn unperfect. Yeah. The longer it's perfect. Absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it, the same goes for the ocean. You just kind of get tired of living by it after a while. Most people say that they won't, but. If you haven't lived there, you don't know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, when because I don't like cold water to begin with. Oh, okay. So uh, it, it, I never went in the water, and I was always, you know, by the ocean. I was kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> just, just staring at it. <laughs> yeah, well, you listen to the tranquility and everything, but it's just the same weather, same landscape, you know, all that stuff. And, and some people love it, and some yeah. people – it drives you a little crazy then you come to pennsylvania you get four seasons in one day exactly you know, it's, it's for about it's about variety exactly well That's the trees I... didn't even know what to do this year <laughs> so <laughs> nobody knows what to do it's such a i was confusing... like why are there trees why are there leaves on the ground that are green right you know like why why haven't <laughs> they're they committing turned? suicide they're i guess that's off. what it is they're like i don't know what to do so i'm just gonna jump off yeah. peace <laughs> <laughs> so uh being in the industry coming back you're living in uh Lidditz, pa right now yep. and you've started the pa traveler mm-hmm. you, you've, the first episode that i i got a chance to watch thank you for 
giving me a, a copy to watch. I oh, my pleasure. It. it was so much fun. To, you're, you're going over uh, Hollidaysburg and Canoe Creek. And if you're not from central Pennsylvania, I say this every episode because anybody in the world could listen to this. Uh, we're in central PA. So not a lot happens here, right, on, on a daily basis, unless you're looking for things Unless you're looking happening. for it. Yeah, like growing up, I always thought I knew what Pennsylvania was all about. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, it's green. You know, there are two big cities, and then in between it's just forest. And yeah. I never traveled anywhere until I, like, went out of um, out of the state. I was, like, traveling in Texas. I was traveling in California. I was, you know, um, doing all that stuff in Florida. And I stopped and went, you know what? I've never, ever traveled in Pennsylvania while I lived there. <laughs> the first 22 years of my life, yeah. you know, I, I just kind of stayed in Altoona. I didn't even go to Bedford to explore. Right. You know? And I found out that a lot of people, they think the same that – I did like they're oh I know what Pennsylvania is all about I don't need to do any of that because it's boring yeah and my counter now is is it <laughs> you know is it really boring it's just because I think any place that you grow up becomes boring boring right because you've been there your whole life it's like ah even if you grew up in Hawaii you're probably mm-hmm. like ah it's Hawaii you know whatever no big deal yeah absolutely and it's not just uh, Pennsylvania itself it's everywhere I went people stuck to their city yeah they didn't go out. And uh, that's what this show is trying to do is to make you go out, explore your own backyard, show you any place in Pennsylvania can be a destination, not just Pittsburgh or Philly, mm-hmm. even though I want to show those off too, of mm-hmm. course. But, man, you're totally right. And that's one thing I liked about the first episode that, that I got to watch. It was that uh, it made you appreciate the area more than you may already have appreciated it. Now, this happened to me many years ago. I grew up in Sinking Valley when I was a kid, and uh, Sinking Valley was all country land. I lived next door to the Amish. Oh, yeah. Hated it. Hated that. I hated living back there. I was like eight miles back, and there was just nothing going on. And then as I grew up and I moved out of Sinking Valley and I'd go back to visit, I'd realize, like, it's so beautiful out here. Mm-hmm. I love it out here. I'd ride my bike out there. There's caves back there we'd go through. And it just made me exactly what you're saying right now. You you don't appreciate something until you leave it, right? And you go back and check it out, and you're like, wow, there's actually a lot going on here that I enjoy. I just never noticed yeah well you just don't know how great mountains are until you don't have them anymore (laughs) and (laughs) you know you just feel uh exposed you feel you feel like you're unprotected you know it's like a tornado could come at any time and just wipe us out and (laughs) there'd be nothing to stop it where you know here we have protection and uh beauty and you know views we can go up and and hike up mountains and you know see things from a higher perspective Mm -hmm. and you don't always have that there and that's that's why it was great to gravitate towards Austin a little bit because they had hills that had, you know, trees on it and everything like that it was much more. Uh, when you think of Texas, you usually think of the Wild West. You yeah, think of desert flat. and everything like that. And it's it's definitely not. Um, it, it has multiple, you know, different areas that have multiple things to offer. Um, and even though Pennsylvania doesn't quite have different landscapes, there's still different things to do that are unique to a certain area that aren't like anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And I just never saw that prior to this. Yeah. It's a, I never left Pennsylvania. I mean, obviously I visited other places, but I've been in Altoona my entire life. And, uh, that's something that I've taken for granted for a long time too. Mountain ranges, just the beautiful scenery of it. And a lot of people who visit here often say that, which I think is what's, what's really cool about what you're doing and highlighting what Pennsylvania is all about is that, when you were saying the if you build it, they will come mentality, you were talking of like Atlanta, Georgia, where they're now building a film industry there and they're just 
getting people off the street. Yep. Who were like grips and holding the boom mics or whatever they're doing. Uh, and you want to bring that here to Pennsylvania. At, and Absolutely. Yeah. At, at this point, they're operating on an uncapped incentive, mm-hmm. which means any movie that wants to shoot there will get access to the incentive. There's, oh, wow. there's no limit. And in uh, Pennsylvania, there is uh, a limit. Why is it. there a limit? How does that work? Um, I think it's just budgetary. Okay. There's just how much do we want to allocate to put into the film industry? Oh, gotcha. And yeah. And, um, and Atlanta, they just, it's grown their economy so much that they just can't fill all the roles. So they're literally pulling people off the street to grab light stands and do other stuff because there's just not enough people living there, but more people are moving, you know, every day to be a part of this industry. So it totally is. They, they, they went, you know what, we're going to heavily invest in the film industry and we're just going to give unlimited amounts of money, you know, to do it. And their economy is growing because, you know, when when a production comes in, they inject tons of money into the economy. Even if people don't live there, they come there, they stay in hotels, you know, they buy the food. Mm-hmm. So all the local restaurants prosper because of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just really a good thing for everyone. Um, like in Texas, this is the only actual economic thing I ever saw. They were making $5 for every dollar they put in. Wow. Can you imagine having a business that made 500% <laughs> like every single. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's basically like, how can you not? Why would that? you not? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you not? And, and I understand, you know, it's hard to allocate funds to anything, you know, um, it's just one of those things that you have to heavily focus on, but you also have to have the money to do it. But, um, this is one of those things that, you know, as long as you can attract productions to come in and use all of your incentive, um, which seems to be the case now with like Netflix and Mindhunter and uh, Pittsburgh's really prospering, you know, f- as far as film is concerned yeah. because they access almost all the incentive. Yeah. Problem is uh, people want to come here and shoot because you can mimic so many different places from uh, like, I mean, look at, you know, we made it, we made Pittsburgh Gotham city for the dark Knight. Yeah. Um, and you know, Philly can look like other places and other stuff like that. Um, but it just uh, – and you have all the trees. So you can do as many horror films as you want, really. Right. <laughs> um, but it's it's one of those things that, um, yeah, if you inject enough money into it, I think a lot of people will gravitate because they want to live here. They want to shoot here. And who wouldn't want to be a part of the film, even if you're a grip, right, or some, like, small role? Uh, say, like, this, all, all we ever talk about is jobs. We're going to create more jobs. We're going to start – coal mining again we need more jobs right like who wouldn't want to work and be a part of the movie industry totally totally even if you're like just a hand on on the set yeah how cool would that be yeah i mean there's a lot of people that actually know what they're doing as far as media creation and other stuff like that and they just don't have that outlet to be able to do it you know like there's not a lot of investment in film so they can't make their own film Mm -hmm. and if they want to live in pa for whatever reason you know being your family or because they like it uh, they're kind of handcuffed because they don't have that outlet to to run to. Yeah, and it, I think if you had a legit studio, if you had other things, you could make it very close to what a rock lidditz is. And um, so people probably don't know what a rock lidditz is. Totally. Can you explain that a little bit? This, yeah. this blew my mind when I was told. And I, I know you may not want to let the cat out of the bag. That's not what lidditz wants. 
but it's Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting. So a little bit about that, like explain that, that a little bit. Yeah. So uh, what Rock Lidditz is, is it's a collective of uh, people in the live event industry that have come together and have created like this little, almost like a warehouse, like place to work and everything is there. Like any, anyone that wants to have, we'll just say Bon Jovi, for example, um, they've used them to, they come there, um, they have like a professionally sized stage so that they can practice and all the roadies can practice and everybody can really get the live show up and running. So if they're like, what do you need? You need screens, you need media to put on the screens, you need, you know, a light show, you need fireworks, you need all kinds of that stuff. And it's all under one roof. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Lidditz, Pennsylvania, in the middle of farmlands, <laughs> believe crazy? it or not. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, a lot of stars come there to, to check it out. Like, you know, Lady Gaga has been there and she stayed there for a while. And, um, and nobody ever, with all of the social media press and everything now, it's amazing that a place like Rock Lidditz can stay under the radar. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And if, if people like apply that to film industry, you know, they can see what they're doing. How do you get, you know, people in and out of, of your facility without anyone really bothering them? Or, you know, the media isn't going to go crazy over, you know, celebrities here as much as they would in L.A. or New York or somewhere like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge advocate that there are a lot of things that, that we can look at um, to go, this is how we can do it. And we can be as good or better than any other film industry in the country. Because they already have a model. Mm-hmm. that you can kind of just tailor over to film instead of live concerts totally. or whatever it might be. Yeah, don't want to let the cat out of the bag too big, but, yeah. um, but that's, super that's, interesting, that's basically man. it, yeah. And that's obviously a project that's going to be put together for years, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, to build something like that. But I think that's awesome. And I'll, I'll tell you, man, I'm, I'm really glad that you got in contact with me because what I've just been finding over the past year, and I'd say especially over the past several months, is just uh, being in Catalyst Space here with the studios at and just being around people who are like excited to do stuff and who are like creating things mm-hmm. and who have a mission. And for many years, and this is not a knock on anybody that was ever in my life, it's just that for many years I didn't meet a lot of people who, they just had jobs, as mm-hmm. I did. I mean, I was in radio, I loved to, to create on the air, but I just had a job. I never looked at it like this thing that was like my creation or whatever. Right. Um, but once you start looking at life like that, you start getting connected with other people who also want to do that. And I imagine that was your situation, right? Being a film editor, uh, you're you love what you're doing. You're creating on the spot, but it's not your thing necessarily. And that's is that where PA Traveler came in. Like this is your chance to do your thing with your skill. Well, the the thing with me is um, when we decided to move back from uh, Austin, we were like, okay, how am I going to make Pennsylvania work for me? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like it's like my wife. She can do um, her job anywhere. She's an occupational therapist that does home health. And that can be done in any state or any city, you know, whatever. But um, I'm a film person moving to a place with not a horribly, you know, huge amount of film. Although so, you can do editing from anywhere. Correct? Yes. I mean, so that's... so when I did move, um, before I made the pilot that you saw, um, I actually was working on a feature film out of New York. Um, and so I could do that remotely. And, and I just visited set a couple of times, picked up the footage and... And that was that. And that's that's the wonderful life of editing now is that people can just send you their footage and you can edit your whole movie over Skype. Yeah. Uh, which is great. But, you know, it's I 
how often was that going to come along? You know, I, I don't, I didn't have any answers, but I thought, okay, how can I take a little control of my life? Because I still want to be an editor, but you know, it, in the meantime, if I don't have anything for a while or whatever, what could I do? And, um, you know, there comes a time where you just have to look at your entire life and go, what could I do now? You know, and, and how to can get creative? Yeah. And, and how can I be, you know, the master of my own destiny a little bit? Because as an editor, you're given things from people, mm-hmm. but you don't make it, you know, you don't, you don't create it. Um, you, you create from what they have already created. Yeah. So, um, this is my, my way of, you know, me- making Pennsylvania, you know, work for me Great while, again. Yeah. <laughs> while we're, while we're <laughs> waiting. But, but I also, uh, took a step back and said, you know, what am I doing? That's, that's really super meaningful. Yeah. And, and there is, I mean, you know, some people in the, you know, biology field or something would scoff at, oh, you're in the film industry. So you're not important. You don't right. do anything important. It's like, okay, well, what if what if somebody was having, you know, a really bad time with life and they showed up, watched my movie and s- switch perspective for whatever reason because yeah. of the content and it changed their life. No doubt, man. I think, you know, I mean, how many movies, TV shows or whatever have changed people's lives? Exactly. You know? So. Yeah. Yeah. My, myself included, like um, music did that for me. You know, yeah. it's any, any sort of media creation can, can possibly do that or inspire or, you know, make someone laugh when they need it or whatever. So, so um, it is important, but I I wasn't really the one you know doing it. I wasn't the one creating it, right. and and I thought, what can I personally do that's sort of you know meaningful that you know uh, will will get people just excited about going out and doing something positive? And that's where this came in. I, I was like, okay, well, if I can make people go explore places that they never ever would have explored that's a win (laughs) you know (laughs) and also helping the tourism of pennsylvania giving back to the place you grew up and totally and something that like i guess you realized yourself and now you're bringing it to other people you realized oh wow there's a lot of stuff here i never thought there was anything here yeah and kind of getting other people to think that same way yeah that's pretty cool i really began my research um last year no year and a half ago now because i've been back for a year and uh i I was like okay when i move to pennsylvania i'm going to do this show and what do I got to do? So I started researching, you know, what's there to do where, and I made a Google map and it has like, geez, at this point it has like 9,000 points of interest or something like that. <laughs> something crazy. So we're doing this show until you're dead. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um, it, it would be nice to do, you know, lots of different things, yeah. um, out of this show. So, so the show is just kind of the beginning and there's a lot of them keeping close to the vest on where I want this to go. But mm. Uh, I do want to be, you know, a travel resource for people so that they can can go there and, you know, find a little bit of happiness for the day or whatever. And look at how many people have made their careers out of that, right? Mm-hmm. Out of just traveling around to different places and, yep. and places that you would bypass a million times and never even look twice at, right? And they find like the hidden gem there. I think that's one of the, when you talk about like a a part of life that's maybe the most satisfying is whenever you find something that nobody else knew about. Mm-hmm. I found that whenever uh, in, in Pennsylvania, I mean, sure, other people knew about it before I did, but when, when I found like the abandoned turnpike in Breezewood, yeah. which is where they shot some of uh, The Road. Mm-hmm. What was that movie? What was that? With Vigo Mortensen? Or yeah, yeah, The Road. I loved that movie. And that mm-hmm. was shot, like some of those scenes were shot at the abandoned turnpike. I went there with my wife and it was like, what the hell is this place? This is so amazing and it's just like 
and it's back eerie too. Scary. Yeah. yeah, it is really weird. I couldn't imagine being there at night. Yeah, there's there's really a lot crazy. of places like that in Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's like you you go you drive around at night and you're like, okay, no one's around. This is this is crazy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there's some, there's this weird statue over there looking at me. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I've seen too many horror movies. Yeah. Well, I know how this I've ends seen up. I've seen a few ghosts myself. So this is a very haunted state. Where but, have you seen ghosts in PA? Yes. Or where? Oh, okay. Well, Gettysburg? In California. Where were you? Oh, in California. Oh, I do have a good Gettysburg. Oh, do you are really? We get, are we getting into this? Whatever, man. <laughs> we getting, are we getting into the paranormal we, here? Yeah, I'd love to. That's, um, that's awesome. I've never been to Gettysburg. I've always heard the awesome... I, I've been there, but not in the ghost hunter sense. Like, yeah. I never experienced anything. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a very crazy story with uh, my sister, and she doesn't believe in, in all this stuff, so... Um, it, it's very odd that since it happened to her that she still doesn't believe. But, really? Yeah, you know, it was like 90-some degrees and super humid the night we went on a ghost walk yeah. on, on the battlefields. Oh, geez. And her lip starts quivering. And I'm like, and she's like, <sighs> like that. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? What's it's like, going on? Yeah, she's like, I'm so cold. And I'm like, okay, it's 90 degrees out. Why? <laughs> what's, what's the deal with this? Yeah. She's like, I'm so cold. I'm like, how it's it's super humid and she goes no feel and she goes boom and grabs my arm and it felt like she just dipped her hand in like an ice bucket what yeah and and i was like ah! and i like jumped you know and and get uh, away from me yeah and and i was like i was like mom dad like check this out and she goes she goes no check it yeah and she she touches them and they're like what is wrong with you and she's like i don't know i'm so cold right and then uh the tour guide is like, okay, let's move on. So we just move away from that spot. Yeah. She instantly warms up and is fine. Whoa. I mean. So you didn't see anything, but you no. felt that. Yeah, yeah. So that was weird. That wasn't one of my seeing stories. That's that, bizarre. Oh, yeah. so there's more. Oh, there is. <laughs> Does this relate to film in any way, shape, or form? Like, was this part of the travels or anything? Or is this uh, just like random occurrences? I was on the film studio a lot for one of them. Okay. But, you know. <laughs> Where at? Um, Universal Studios. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, <laughs> this is weird because it talks about going to the bathroom, but you know, well, people, we'll, we'll just talk we, about We do. <laughs> I know people that's true. Okay. So, so we were, uh, mixing on the soundstage for Broken City. Uh, I was on and, um, we, I don't know, we were just taking a break for like 20 minutes or whatever. And I go downstairs and I go to the bathroom and I open the door and I instantly feel, this weird sensation and I can't for the life of me when I try to tell people I can't describe what this sensation is I've only felt it one other time in my life and it's the first time I saw a ghost <laughs> so so but I didn't really recognize that that was what it was when I walked in so I walk in and out the corner of my eye like you know when there there are cracks in the stall and you can just see if like there's an outline of someone in there you know yeah. Um, and so I'm just walking in out of the corner of my eye. I see like this black figure in, in, in the stall. Mm. And so, you know, I start, uh, I just go to the urinal, start doing my business. And then suddenly I hear boom, right? The stall door comes out, hits me and I turn around. Nothing's there. So <laughs> forget that, man. So, but I'm standing there going to the bathroom. Like, what am I going to do? Run and just yeah. like <laughs> you, can't, you can't pinch it. It's not you good for your bladder. You can't stop. It's too late. So, so I'm looking all around, you know, and and uh, then the instant that that happened, like I felt this amazing warm sensation of like relief and peace. Wow. It's very weird, and and I was just like, nothing's here. 
you know? So like whatever it was, like, you know, was taking a dump bounced. and then took yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. So didn't even wash their hands. Yeah. So, so that's weird in itself. But what happens next is weirder is when I went upstairs and they were in the middle of talking about a director that wouldn't mix on that stage anymore because he had seen a ghost. Uh-huh. And, and they were talking amongst themselves and I'm just like keeping to myself, you know, listening. And then they go, yeah, uh, nobody knows who he is, but we frequently see him. He comes up and watches us work. And uh, he's most often seen in the men's bathroom downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, guys, I uh, I just had an experience. And, and they're like, yeah, we're not surprised. We see him all the time. What are the chances that was happening right then? That's crazy. I don't know. And, and nobody knows who he is. Like there's no like fire or anything you that's know, pretty that, common with hollywood right there's a lot of ghost stories yeah i used to I mean, watch e true hollywood story a lot i mean just e, look so up I, I like <laughs> wizard of oz and the exorcist and yeah. all the weird stuff that surrounds those projects and things like it's very strange it is really really bizarre mm-hmm. um well going back to pennsylvania going back to, to what your show's all about so i guess like the the history of your film editing career mm-hmm. do you feel like it's led you to this point like you probably never saw this coming, right? You're living all over the country. You weren't like, yeah, yeah I'm going to go back to Pennsylvania, like to Lit It. So I'm going to live there. I think never. It's just it's one of those things where you look back and it's like this led to this, led to this, led to this. You know, and it's like, okay, is this the universe? Is this what you know? <laughs> is this a, it's a grand plan for me or what? Yeah. Um. But but it's just kind of a culmination of experiences. Like I know how to make the show because of you know working on thirty million plus million dollar movies yeah uh five of them um whenever i was in hollywood and then you know when i moved to texas i never wanted to create anything ever i just wanted to sit in a chair and have people give me their footage and edit it for them yeah (laughs) and that was fine with me and that's all i ever literally that was my dream that's all i ever wanted to do and then i started making some videos in my spare time with my friend just to mess around and i had so much fun um and and you can actually go and and watch one of these on Facebook. Uh, we made a horror film, a horror short called The Ornament. Awesome. And it stars me and my daughter. Um, and it was just us acting and he was recording it. And then, but, but the two of us had enough know-how to make a cinematic looking piece, even though it was just two of us, you know, making it. Um, and, and I had so much fun doing it that I was like, you know what? I could, I could definitely create something, but I didn't know what. So, so it was just, two of us, you know, doing all the sound, color, editing, uh, shooting, lighting, all that good stuff in the sound. And he uh, wrote the music also, which I guess I should shout out. It's uh, Dave Rabelais, and he's coming out with a new fitness program called the KIT Method. Very cool. Which uh, should be out in the next couple of days, so check out that website. But okay. anyway. Um, How did he go? Well, let's not get into his whole thing. <laughs> let's not get into I have so many questions there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like uh, keto and Tabata and other stuff. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, support support him because he's a great dude. Um, and it's a shame we don't get to work together anymore. But I was uh, checking out PBS there mm-hmm. at, in Austin, and I saw the show called The Day Tripper. Mm-hmm. And essentially what he does is he goes and he, he shows you what all there is to do in a day trip, which is not my show, I show you, you know, the time is either over a weekend or a day or whenever, you know, it's just, I'm showing you what to do more than fitting a format or a gimmick. Right. Um, but I looked at that and I said, I could make this show. Like when I moved to Pennsylvania, I, I could make this show. I could make a show like this. 
And so I just had it in my mind that I was going to do it. And that's all there was to it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so so we, we shot the pilot in last September and just been editing and everything in, in my spare time from doing the film work. And You're uh, still doing all of your other work yeah. on top of the editing for the show. So. Yes, yeah. So so that's why it took so long to, to do that. And now, um, you know, we have it out trying to uh, get it on PBS and and uh, they're they're watching it as we speak. And, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with that. And if um, if we don't get on with them for whatever reason, then we're just going to self-distribute because, I mean, I don't know what all you feel about the pilot, but I think it's strong enough that it's something that can be made uh, and, oh, yeah. and live on its own. It would just be a little harder to start up, you know, because you don't have the sure. infrastructure. And the money but yeah, it. yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, PBS, uh, I don't know if they fully fund any of any of their stuff. Um, to be honest. So either way, we're going to be looking for, you know, offering sponsorship opportunities and other things. So um, if there are any business owners out there that are interested in this type of show, you know, feel free to to contact me or anything. But yeah, what is your contact info? If If somebody is listening to this and they think like, because I watched the pilot, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a nice mix of information, humor. It's, it's, it's very much what you would expect from the sort of show that you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's not like, uh, it's not it's not like a brochure guide right. of Pennsylvania, which would bore you to death, right? It's like taking the interesting parts and then mixing your personality in with it and having totally, fun with it. yeah. That that was the hardest and easiest thing to do was mixing my personality into it, um, because at first I was like, no one's gonna want to watch me, <laughs> like, like, like no one's gonna no one's gonna care for me as a host or want to listen to my voice in a voiceover or any of that stuff. But we got to a point where. I just went, you know what, I have to do it because, you know, we need to keep the crew small and I know that at least I will be there. So well, it's your so, deal. It's your project. Yeah, so yeah. would know it better than you would. Yeah, totally. And, and and then, you know, I weighed the options and I went, okay, I'm going to host it. So, you know, I did. And, and a lot of people are, are very receptive to me as the host and, and they appreciate like the humor that was injected into it. And I think it's one of those things that when you watch the show, um, my goal was to one, not be like a polished uh, guy, like that's why you'll see me. You know, I'll pick something up and and it'll fall over or whatever. I add things that would typically be be bloopers, but I I yeah. want the audience to feel like they're with me. You know, yeah. feel like they're they're there uh, at that moment as opposed to having the screen separate them from me, well, which is what happens. Like you watch, um, you know, Booze Traveler, or any of those, and and you're sitting there in your living room and you're watching it, yeah. but you're not experiencing it yeah. necessarily. So that's kind of what I was going for, and I want anyone to uh, look at it and know exactly who I am as a person. I'm not trying to put on a front, you know. It's it's like me speaking right now is what you probably saw on the pilot. Yeah. And, and I'm trying to just be uh, genuine, and I'm just a guy. You know, I'm just a guy checking out Pennsylvania. Come with me. Right. And, and that was the whole goal for, for uh, what I was trying to do hosting-wise. Hopefully it came across that way. This is a question I I had for you that I was curious as to how you would approach this. Because I agree, when I watch it, I feel like I am getting you. It feels very natural. It doesn't feel like you're putting on a performance or anything like that. So you come from the world of Hollywood film editing. And, I mean, talk about, like, the ultimate structure. Like, there's no (laughs) real room for, you know, negotiating, right? It's very much cut and dry. I I guess what what I'm saying is whenever you're 
editing a movie compared to watching a YouTube video, mm-hmm. right? It, a movie is fully produced and planned out and everything. Then you watch somebody on YouTube who you can tell just turned a camera on and started going. And uh, I think for you, like the best of both worlds would be somewhere in the middle of those two things, like the, the cinematic like expertise of what a Hollywood movie would bring, but then also the down-to-earth natural stuff that like a YouTube video would bring. It's what I feel like would be your combination. Yeah, and and that's exactly, like, it's going back to what you said about a culmination of all my experiences. Um, That's basically what it was. I was like, I could do something professional looking, uh, you know, and I know what to do and how to do it and everything because of my time, um, you know, spending on all those big budget films. Mm -hmm. And Hollywood is a machine. Yeah. You know, and and you see, I, I was at a level where I saw the proper way to do it. And there are a million other ways to do it. So, like, whenever you jump into the indie world, you know, you, you're you pulling shoestring budgets and you're hanging on by the skin of your teeth and everything like that. But I always had in the back of my mind knowing what the the tried and true way is. Mm-hmm. And I, can, I could always take the chaos and kind of slowly mold it into that. Mm-hmm. Like how, you know, little things like how I would give people visual effect shots. I did it exactly like I was taught you know, on, um, you know, whichever movie experience you want to point to, but I would watch them and, and just do exactly what they did. And, um, I kind of, you know, just take that machine and it's always in my head and I know the way it's supposed to be. And, uh, it made it, even though I made the pilot for, you know, just out of my own pocket and mostly I just paid for equipment and then everybody else, you know, um, jumped in and helped along with it. Um, graciously, I appreciate that. But they they donated their time for free, but I was able to be like, okay, I want this, this, and this, you know, and everything. And, and it ended up being, becoming structured like a real travel show. So, uh, you know, it's it's the best of both worlds totally, but I don't understand exactly how YouTubers do it. Whenever I watch it, I'm like, how do you get good at, at that? You well, know, there's, what? there's no, well, I mean, I had, a, I even had a script. It was a very loose script for, for my travel show. But, you know, I've always been based upon the structure of having a script and yeah. knowing uh, exactly what the skeleton is for it and then filling it in. Yeah. Um, but YouTubers just they create without having all that. Yeah. And it just blows my mind, you know. Yeah, that, that's the thing. And I guess podcasting is kind of like that, too. I mean, I came from radio, which was not super structured, but more structured than what this is mm-hmm. uh, to just doing my own thing. And. Uh, I think it just comes with practice, really. I mean, I don't know anybody. Maybe some people jump on jump on YouTube. I had a girl, Hannah Baker, in here last week who started her YouTube channel back in January. She already has almost ten thousand followers. So, like, for some people, she got it. Like, you can watch her videos and like, oh, she got it right away. But I think a lot of people, you just got to figure it out. Like, I had eighteen years in radio of stumbling and screwing things up. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I still get everything perfect on here, but like having that structure built in and just doing it over and over and over again. That's why I find YouTube so amazing because you watch a TV show, maybe on NBC that got a couple of million views and that's really good. But you go on YouTube and a show had uh, somebody talking into a camera had like a hundred million or 15 million people watch it. It's, it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah. And well, I mean, that just goes with the territory. It goes with anything that you create with. Um, You're just going to get better. And that's why I was really happy how our pilot turned out um, because I can show people like something that's good and say, well, you know, with 
with money and more episodes under our belt and everything, right. it's going to be that much better. And um, I'm just really optimistic and excited about, you know, where it's going. Uh, and just, you know, from what I've seen about Pennsylvania and the places I've already kind of scouted and been to that I've never been before, you know, there's just so much out there, so much world out there, but so much state out there too, yeah. you know, and, and I'm just really excited to get cracking at it soon. So if, are you allowed to name the movies you've worked on? Yeah, totally. Like, what, what, did, what did you work on? I worked my uh, debut movie. The first thing I ever worked on as an intern before I graduated Penn State was The Blind Side. Okay. So you may Huge. have heard of it. Yeah, <laughs> you may have caught that Sandra Burlick won the Academy Award. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, I, I did that. And then I did something called The Big Year, Okay, which was Owen Wilson, Jack Black, and Steve Martin. Um, and then I went on to We Bought a Zoo. How did I miss that? We the big year. Never even heard of that. That sounds like it would have been a good movie. Was it? I'll have to tell you off air. <laughs> <laughs> what, right. what happened with that movie? Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> I love Steve. I love all three of those guys. Yeah, those. yeah, yeah. It was it was basically it was supposed to be a comedy, or it it was marketed as a comedy, but it wasn't. It was a dramedy with very little uh, comedy in it. Oh, and um, the studio kind of you know said that it was one thing that it wasn't exactly oh. and when people got wind of that they did they weren't receptive yeah you know it's it's a movie about bird watching that had to be embraced as a movie about bird watching <laughs> you know so so but even like birders probably didn't go see it because oh they, they didn't know they didn't know what it was yeah uh nobody they presented it totally wrong totally yeah to like like um with Owen Wilson, Jack Black, and Steve Martin in your film, you think it would be like a rip roaring, ridiculous, you know, stupid comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so um, it at one point it was a great movie. I loved it. I really did. Are you saying this? So this is during the editing process. Mm-hmm. Is that what happens? Uh, that's that's fascinating, right? Like you have when you start editing a film. It, I mean, this might be different every time, but like, do you have all the footage before you start editing, or like do they just give you chunks and you got to start piecing stuff together? Um, no, most oftentimes just depending on, you know, budget and infrastructure and everything as they shoot the next day, you get it. It's called dailies. Oh, wow. Um, so they'll shoot on set and then, um, send it to, you know, a post house and then they put on a hard drive, send it to the editorial. And my job would be like picking it up and, you know, everything and bringing it back. So I was sort of a gopher, but I also got to sit in sometimes and, and see the director and editor work together and everything. So I actually got a glimpse behind the curtain, uh, I guess you could say. Yeah. And um, so they would start taking those little pieces daily and yeah. editing them mm-hmm. before so before pro- post-production was even happening in full scale. Right. So you edit, you know, you, you try to edit all the scenes that were shot that day, the, the day you get them yeah, uh, or the day after. And then... Um, basically you go the whole length of shooting and then you basically wrap up the film about a week after they're done shooting. And then after that happens, you know, there might be, I don't know, a week off. It just depends. You know, all directors need something different. So maybe like they need a week off to, you know, get some R and (laughs) R or whatever the case may be. Um, but after that you're in full swing in director's cut mode and that usually lasts about 20 weeks typically. Uh, and then after that, you have a preview, and then the producer steps in and gives notes and how they think you can make more money and all that stuff, you know, or or make it a better film. And uh, and then after that, it you know comes out. <laughs> so so there's a lot of hands in it. You yeah. know, there's a, there's a lot of things that can 
can go right, a lot of input, a lot of things that can go wrong, you know, depending on input. And it, it just, it's a very interesting process for the big budget world. It always seems so daunting to me. I mean, the, the some people who like write and direct and film and edit movies, like, my God, just from the beginning phases to getting it done and all the years in between. And like, how, how would you, how do you stick with a concept in your mind and turn it into a film and that takes years like the just the dedication to get and, and that's not even saying it's going to be successful mm-hmm. not even saying it's going to be good right you know just to put that time into that boy that's a lot yeah depending on the marketing and all that other good stuff i, I can't even imagine where you'd start I mean, that's a it takes a certain kind of person oh it totally does it totally does and and that's definitely not the kind of like I don't want to be a producer. You know, I, I would never yeah. want that job, <laughs> honestly. Um, and, and I really don't want to be a director other than, you know, my travel show pretty much. Yeah. That's, that's a very different type of director than like a narrative director or anything like that. So what were the rest of the films? Yes. So where we leave off? Big Year? Big Year. Uh, yeah. So the Big Year. And then I did Broken City with um, Mark Wahlberg was in it. Okay. With Russell Crowe. And then after that, I did Saving Mr. Banks, and that was my last Hollywood film. And that's where you're left off right now. That's uh, as that came to a close. The yeah, PA Traveler began. Is that what you were just? Working uh, no, on actually, recently? there's a lot of time in between. <laughs> okay, um, that's when I started my editing career, like being an editor. Oh, okay. Um, so that was interesting in itself. Where you know, I I um decided that I was I had an opportunity in front of me to edit a film uh-huh. and I was either going to edit for free basically um in order to like build up a reel so that I can show people and say these are all the great scenes that I edited you know is now, that how that usually works so you start out sometimes okay. yeah okay. yeah you whenever you don't have any credits under your name aside yeah. from like you know being a PA on the big things like I didn't have any editing credits so um you have to get them uh and and sometimes you can you can start off as an assistant and build your way up till you make the jump and become editor. Sure. Um, I just kind of weighed my options and this opportunity was in front of me and I said, I'll just be an editor now <laughs> instead of, instead of waiting so long. So, um, that, that's what I did for a few years. Was that always your goal with film editing? Yeah. Yeah. I always wanted to be a film editor, um, and you know, not an assistant or, or anything like that. I didn't just want to like be in the film world. I kind of wanted to be a department head and, and actually be the one putting the movie together. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's why I decided to go that route. And as far as like where your editing passion came from, because I love editing video. Mm -hmm. Like I, I have always really enjoyed it. I just don't, it's not like my specialty and I don't think I'm like necessarily great at it. I just enjoy it for some reason. I love like putting music and audio underneath things and like, piecing that it's like a puzzle you're putting together totally it's really an art form um where did the passion come for that like what what first got you into it uh one particular project actually uh when i was in eighth grade that's that's when i knew what i wanted to do the rest of my life which a lot of people don't have (laughs) don't have the ability to say that but yeah uh eighth grade i was um my church at saint mary's was uh starting up a youth group and i decided I have this camera. I'm going to try to make a little video and, and maybe kids will want to come because of, you know, seeing us and we're playing around and everything and everybody could see all the activities that we were doing. So I got this really like (laughs) kind of lousy editing program from Best Buy or wherever. And it was just a, it's 
most of the time you work in non-linear editing. So you have multiple tracks. Mm -hmm. This only had one track. Mm -hmm. So you had to like replace things on the track and other stuff like that. So it was very cumbersome and, uh, and all that stuff. But when I was editing it, I would like forget to eat. <laughs> and, and yeah. And that's a good sign that you're on the right track. Well, it's right? A, yeah. Yeah. Especially, I guess for when you're, when you're so distracted. <laughs> yeah. You forget to eat. But yeah, exactly. Like I, I would just lose track of time. You know, I, I would forget to eat and everything. And, and it's the only thing that ever made me focus like that because oh, okay. I, I am sort of like ADHD <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Um, I've never been diagnosed or anything, but I just, I have trouble focusing. I'm very high energy and I, I have, you know, um, issues with sitting still sometimes. Right. Um, and for some reason I could sit still for eight hours at a time. So I was like, you know, this, this must be my, my thing, you know, yeah. cause I, I never had any aspiration of what I wanted to do when I grew up. But as soon as I did this, I was like, this is it, you know, th this is what I want to do. And, um, the whole, you know, putting the footage in, putting it together, laying in the music, you know, making things timed up with the music was exciting to me. Yeah. Um, it, because I, I love music and that was just the instance I knew. And then I went in the broadcasting program at Altoona High. Oh, okay. And Mr. yeah, Sipes. Mr. Sipes really what up, Sipes? helped foster that. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I told him on the last day of school, I said, thank you for helping me find out what I want to do. You know, and, and that was very meaningful to me. For all the kids who go through broadcasting just to get an easy A, get some extra credit, right? <laughs> yep, yep. It's, I was definitely the rarity. Yeah. I, I was trying to make uh, videos to be fun and, and stuff like that. Uh, I had this character called Crocododson that people might remember. It was me Croc being... Crocododson? I was pretending I was like Steve Irwin. It, oh, was, nice. it was awful. Okay, I like it. And, and uh, my wife and I are high school sweethearts, so she would sit there <laughs> during the morning announcements on MLTV just like, and oh, just God. shudder in her desk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, at that time, she was Jenna Loop. Um, now she's Jenna Dodson. But yeah, she would just cower in her seat. And, you know, it seemed like half the students liked it and half of it hated it. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay, well, I guess that's comedy, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's like people are either going to like it or, or not. But I always wanted to take the opportunity to make something narrative as opposed to just doing it to get an A. And I was just making little videos that I have on a DVD still. Maybe one day they'll be released when I'm famous. But you know, that's so funny, man, <laughs> that you say that because like when I was in, I went, I had sipes for broadcasting. It's ironic that this this came up because that was like I. I I went through college and afterwards went for communications at Penn State Altoona. And I honestly, I learned more in my two years in broadcasting in high school than I learned in college. Now, mm -hmm. I didn't go to a film college or anything that was like specialized in it. But that broadcasting experience, I was always behind the scenes except for this one series that I did. I think I only did like two or three episodes, but it was called Clubs of the Unknown. So I'd go like the chess club <laughs> oh, or like okay. these random clubs that nobody ever taught, not like football or like basketball sure, or something, sure. like these random clubs. And I'd do like these stupid videos and they were really stupid. I thought they were funny. Looking back, I wish I, I don't, I don't have the videos. I wish I did, but it was a great way to just kind of experiment with whatever. And Sipes was cool with that. Mm -hmm. He was just like, yeah, you want to do something? Go for it. As long as you weren't like swearing or something like that. Yeah. I think he was just right. excited to have have you know people like my group also did it with me so it wasn't just me oh, okay. but he was excited to have uh people in his class that wanted to do it you know as as an actual you know for for something legit as opposed to like you said the easy a i think he was really excited about that and he really helped you know answer every question about it and and really 
push me to do whatever it was that I wanted to create. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I definitely can't thank him enough for that. It was a great. Ex- I, I, that was my, the most fun I had in school, without a doubt, was going to broadcasting. And it, I don't know. It seems to me like everybody, of course, like you talk to people, they love music, like they love movies. Right? Who doesn't love a certain movie? Right? Everybody has their favorite movie. But to like have a passion to actually want to get involved with it, like do editing. Um, like I love audio editing. I'm, I'm, that's something obviously being in radio for such a long time that I was really attuned to. Uh, but there's something fun about being able to create. Like I, I work here at Catalyst Space, and there's tons of people here who create stuff. Like there's the cryptocurrencies, there's 3D printers, and I don't touch any of that stuff. Right. It, it's amazing to me, and I think it's it's awesome. But my brain is like works in a creative like to create something kind of way, but it's more of just talking into a microphone or right. I guess video to also creating. And some people don't look at that as an art form. Like with what you do is an art form mm-hmm. for sure. How long would it take you? Or I, I guess like how many editors would you have on a movie? You and how many other people? Um, just depending on budget and the scope and everything like that. I think Avenger movies have like two or three sometimes. That's it. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, most of the time it's just one. Okay. So really, yeah, uh, one credited, but yeah, and you'll have like first assistants that will do some cutting themselves and other stuff, or you know, depending on how many directors are working on the film, um, you know, they they might each have their own guy. Yeah. You know, if it's an anthology film or whatever, then you'll have a bunch of different ones. But for a big big budget movie, it's usually one to three. How cool is that, man? So you're in complete control of what that thing looks oh, like. Oh, totally. Totally. It's it, the great thing about it is the collaboration. It's you and the director in a room. You you're backed by millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Right. But you two are in the driver's seat, and and you make the film what it is. Yeah. What, the movie stars, the celebrities have already done their part. And right. It's, your it's just job. sitting on hard drives at that point. Yeah. You know. So so without the editor, it doesn't get made. I right. mean, you're all every everything you shot would just be sitting there. <laughs> and and uh but it is really cool seeing the collaboration. That's my favorite aspect of editing is is jumping on with the director or sitting next to the director and really hammering out like okay, what's the problem with this scene? What's the problem with the movie as a whole? How can we fix it? How can we do this? How can we do that? And and it's the problem solving and collaboration that I enjoy the most. I mean, it's it's just unreal. You wouldn't think it's just two people putting it together. I thought when you when I asked that question, you were going to say like there was 20, 30, Mm-mm. 40 editors. Nope. And you had to like collaborate and combine things. And I thought that'd be incredibly difficult. Yeah. But it's just no. you and the director. It right? honestly, it doesn't matter how big the movie is. You know, um, typically it's just the one dude and then uh, putting the movie together. And then once the movie's together, then the one dude and the director. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> Who did you always look up to as uh were you like you studied editors? Is that something you did? Like or you studied films? I actually I them? actually didn't. Okay. Um but I was definitely starstruck uh or awestruck I guess when I met Mark Lavolsi. Um he had done uh just all kinds of of big budget films like The Girl Next Door, Wedding Crashers, Devil Wears Prada, Marley and Me, you know, he he was on his way to to being just a huge editor, and I, and and at that point already was, and um, I just you know went to this event at Penn State, and he was getting some like Lifetime 
not lifetime achievement, but some sort of achievement award for being an alumni. And I sat next to him and I asked him all these questions. Other kids were asking him directing questions, producing questions, like, but nobody was asking him editing questions. So I, I started doing that. And then um, at the end of it, I just said, I said, hey, can I have like your email address and just like keep, you know, up to date with you or whatever? Yeah, sure. So um, then I reach out to him and he's like, oh yeah, we're doing this football movie called The Blind Side and, and we actually need help if you want to come uh, during the summer. To, to New York and LA and I'm like yeah I'm there so I, I took it how old were you, you know? at the time um 21 22 okay yeah something like that um yeah that's and then I I had to come back to college after that experience and it was like wait it was just waiting to have the next experience so it was a whole year a whole school year just waiting to have your next big budget movie experience you know so that yeah. was that was a little brutal for a while um but yeah, I I mean I look up to him tremendously. Now he's on things like The Jungle Book, and oh, wow. uh, he just is editing Lion King currently. Really? And yeah, yeah. He's just like if you want to see how things are done properly, like he's the one to go to. Um, I also worked under Joe Hutching, which is actually Mark's um, mentor or or who Mark assisted, um, and he did things like Meet Joe Black oh, and okay. JFK the movie Oliver Stone uh, did, and just uh, countless other ones. And um, the other editor I worked for was Cindy Mallow, and she worked on, like, um, Mad Men and, you know, the biggest of the big TV shows. Now she edits, edits Ozark. Okay. So, yeah, wow. it was it was uh, good people to be, you know, to be able to look up to for sure and see every day and how they work and, and all that. And a lot of that rubbed off, I'd imagine. Yeah. Throughout the years. Yeah. I mean, I definitely uh, apply a lot of things of how I edit things and, and other stuff to techniques that they used and things that I witnessed them doing. Well, what you were just saying a second ago was what's, I had Steve Sheets in here earlier today and we were talking about, you know, mentors, right? And like having, and I was asking him the question, like, how do you get in front of the people that you want to know? or you want to learn from or who could help you in some sort of way. And he said the same thing you did. Like you end up next to that person, whether you purposely like forced yourself next to them or you just happen to be there. You just got to start asking them questions and asking them for help. Mm -hmm. He's like, just asking most of the 90% of the time they're going to give you some advice. And if not in, in beyond that, they'll even help you further. Like to like what happened to you going to work on the blind side and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like it's just kind of, it can happen that way. You just got to put yourself in the right situations and then take the most of the opportunity. Yeah. Right. And just and absolutely go for take, it. take the opportunity and run with it for sure. And a lot of people wouldn't. Yeah. And, and that's for anything. I mean, it's not just film industry, but yeah, you definitely should for film industry. If, if, uh, the place isn't correct to be, you know, pitching them movie ideas, don't do it yeah. <laughs> obviously. But you know, when, when the, the moment's right and you're, you know, in near proximity to them and you or you happen to be talking to them already just ask yeah you know that's all it is it's so simple right and we all kind of like know that but but you have to hear other people say it and i'm just thinking of somebody who's listening to this who like you know is trying to start their own thing or trying to find people to help them start their own thing like you have to put yourself in those spots and even though you're knowing everybody who's in that position is saying in their head i should ask this question i should do this thing i should you know, maybe be a little more of the top than anybody else would be. Mm -hmm. And the person who does a little bit more is going to stand out 
so much more because nobody ever usually crosses that line. Yeah, well, I think you just need to look at, you, you need to ask yourself a question, I think, in those moments. What's not going to help me? <laughs> that's good. Doing nothing, right? So I think that's the, the way to look at it. Not, not, oh, can I talk to them? Are they going to think this about me? You know, whatever. But if you don't ask at all or don't try, you know, for, for fear of rejection or whatever yeah. the case may be, you know, what's not going to help me? Yeah. And if you never do it, then that's not going to help you for sure. Yeah. That would be the worst possible thing you could do is Nothing. not saying anything. Yep. <laughs> yep. If you put yourself in that spot and think that at that time, then yeah, that's, that's a good way. Is that what you did when you were sitting there or you just were so excited you just started rambling? Um, no, it was just one of those things where I went, this is my one opportunity you know, to be on like a big budget thing. Um, so I need to keep in touch with this guy. Yeah. You know, and that, that's the, the mindset I had. I was just like, if I don't, if I don't ask, then he won't, you know, give me the time of day and, you know, and he won't even know I exist. Right. So, so I had to make myself known to him, I guess. And you did and it worked. Yeah. Yeah. What are your favorite movies, like favorite films of your, just personally that you loved throughout the years? My all-time favorite movie? I would love to know. Yes. The Muppet Christmas Carol. What? 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 <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Why? Yeah. For one, it's so well done. Okay. When that, did that come out? That How if you just substitute that? the puppets as people, then it would be a great movie anyway. Oh, you know? okay. That's, that's what I mean. Like, like, just because it's Muppets doesn't mean it's silly or bad. Like, it's, yeah. it's a legit interpretation of, you know, that story. So, um, <laughs> I know it's funny. That's a hilarious answer. I know, yeah, I know, but it's, and, and the reason I say that is, is it the best movie ever made? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, it is super well made, but I have to watch it every year. Like, yeah. like it's the only movie that I actually feel like I have to watch it every How Christmas. How old is that? Is that like the older, is it? 93, okay. I want to say. All right. Yeah. Except they really screwed up because there's there's a song that pulls at your heartstrings. It's it's the like the biggest moment where Scrooge changes into being Scrooge. Yeah. Um, and it's when he breaks up with his like f- fiance, and they sing this song that like oh it's just heart wrenching, and Michael Caine's like crying and everything, and then um they cut it because the kids in the audience they thought it was boring, so. There you go again. In order to make money, they decided to cut something that was crucial to the story. Yeah. So <laughs> when I was growing up, we had the VHS tape, and I've I've owned it on every like iteration there is. I've owned it on VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray so far, <laughs> and I'll probably get it on 4K one day. Can you or force whatever. your kids to watch it? Uh, no. I mean, I think I think my kid enjoys it. Okay. But <laughs> but as yeah. long as you do, that's all that really matters. Well, yeah. It's just a perfect Christmas movie. But um, I also like. You know, weird psychological things like Donnie Darko. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you have to watch it like twenty times, but <laughs> to yeah. get it. Um, and and you know, The Matrix. I've seen well over twenty times at this point. Uh, all three or just the first? Uh, just the first. Okay. Yeah, because the first could stand alone as its own movie. Yeah. Honestly. Um, the sec- I thought Reloaded was good. It was more of an action movie. Yeah. But the third one didn't do it much for me. No, no. But really. the first one still is like game changing. Yeah. They they jumped the shark pretty pretty bad with all the bad cgi and everything uh they were just trying to do too much yeah those last two but that first movie is just amazing and and it changed everything i mean that bullet time technology all that stuff just just really um changed the way that effects are 
in the film industry. So kudos to the Wachowskis, right? I'm not even sure. <laughs> no, they're both <laughs> that, women. That's what, are that's they both I women said. now? Or one of them became a woman. Yeah. I don't know if it was both of them or not. Yeah, I think they're the Wachowski sisters. Sisters, now, not, now. The yeah. sis- I, I not the believe, brothers. I believe yeah. you're correct. Huh. But that is, Matrix was one of those movies that, yeah, it blew my mind. Terminator 2 has always been my favorite movie. I love James Cameron. I always love Schwarzenegger. I love futuristic, end of the world kind of movies. Mm-hmm. I love robots. Like, took everything and put it in one movie. It's just always, I, it's I mean, my you, mind. Yeah, you could argue that that was the game changer before the Matrix. Right, yeah. Because he, he invented effects. all those effects himself, doing all kinds of did, crazy stuff. Cameron did. Yeah. Did he really? Yeah, I think there were a lot of techniques that he used that that he kind of created um, for that. I mean, Cameron does very innovative stuff. Yeah. For sure. They're coming back with a new Terminator now. It's going to be the sequel to the second. Because they're going to consider everything else never happened. Uh, they're going to go off the second <laughs> and the third. He's a director in it. He's like, he's it's on just, board. Yeah. Okay, maybe it'll be better then. Maybe. But, but it's like, you know, it's up to this point, it's been beating a dead horse. It's like... I think they, I don't know if any of them actually make money. Really? Or much. The Terminator you know? movies? Yeah, a lot of people are yeah, like, oh, I heard it's bad and they don't go been, see it. They've been bad the yeah. past couple. So that's something I wanted to ask you as well is like, my, I had another guy, Joe Glass, in here a few months ago. He's local. He does the Gray Medium, which is like a local video series for businesses. And he does an awesome job. And I was talking to him about this because he makes like his own short films and stuff. And I just feel like the movie industry is. It's different from whenever I was a kid for sure, but it's just, it's so flooded. Like there's so many movies and there's so much crap. Mm-hmm. Not saying, not even saying like bad movies, I'm saying crap in general uh, in the sense of like there's so much. How is it possible? Like how do you even make a movie anymore? Number one, how are so many movies made? Like you go on Netflix and there's 18 million B movies on there. Mm-hmm. Like where do they all come from? Where's the funding come from? And do you think that the industry is still like as strong as it was, say, in like the 90s or something like that? Yeah. I mean, you don't always have have um, the funding for it. You know, people can make a 4K movie on, or record in 4K on their iPhone. True. Um, was it Soderbergh? Steven Soderbergh just shot one all by iPhone? Oh, yeah. I heard about that. I think it was him. But yeah, I mean, anyone can make a movie now. Yeah. It, as long as you have like Adobe's suite, you you can do all the color, all the sound, all the everything i mean that's how i how i was doing things um and how i continue to do things so so the people in the top of the industry are using the same stuff as the people who are working from home who uh, don't even well yes and no um like for post-production you definitely have much more sophisticated things as far as color goes um as far as the equipment they have but they do use like davinci resolve uh just like you know you can go online and download that for free right now so um, it's not the That's pro crazy. version, but the pro version is only like 300 bucks. Wow. So you can, as long as you know how to use it, it's the person. Yeah. Honestly, it's if you know how to use it and you know how to make a good story, you know how to, you know, light it and shoot it and everything like that, you could theoretically make a really good movie by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> which, nuts. which, yeah, in the film days, that, no, that, that wouldn't have been possible besides you know? like the Blair Witch Project I guess which I was like an anomaly at the time totally that was a big game changer even though and I guess that's still affecting things today right I mean that was like the showing that you could do that yeah and it would actually work yeah absolutely and their their marketing was amazing yeah uh, for it you know people actually thought that they were real people and that they were dead <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so <laughs> so they're like no we're here we're alive right yeah. <laughs> sorry about that but um, yeah they they just 
did tactics. They put him in the in the middle of a woods, which doesn't cost anything, yeah. you know, in a tent, which was what, like 30 bucks, Yeah. you know, and then just scared the crap out of them when they were sleeping. Found some and, old rickety house for the end of the movie. Yep, they could go in the into. middle of the woods, and then that's all you need, right. really. I mean, as long as the actors are willing to, to act for whatever you're going to pay them or even for free if they're doing like what I did when I was editing for free, like trying to build a reel and a portfolio mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, yeah, you, you literally, anyone can make a movie now. So do you feel like the industry is, I mean, as strong as it's ever been? Is the quality as strong as it's ever been? I feel like it's so flooded with stuff that it's hard to find the real, really good stuff. I think television is. Um, yeah, as far as, as far as movie goes, I mean, there's just so much money involvement with it uh, these days, and less of them are being made, too. So um, that means smaller crews and all that stuff. And, and having, like, uh, like, one thing that I had trouble moving up after a certain point was that, uh, editing crews used to be like 12 people mm. and now they're down to like three or four. So, so it definitely isn't as much opportunity for, for the big stuff. Um, and not, not as much funding for the big stuff because everyone seems to be gravitating towards either TV or gigantic budget movies. So, so there because is that t- TV in a way has done away with movies because now you can have a, a movie that used to be an hour and a half, and now it's like Game of Thrones. You know, mm-hmm. it's that hundreds of hours long. Right. So you've, you've, you're getting a lot more out of stretching totally. the characters out and everything. Yeah. So it, it is really hard to to make a movie that's fully fleshed out in two hours. Yeah. For sure. But you can't get people to to do like Lord of the Rings when it was like three and a half or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very often. So um, yeah. No, I I don't think the quality's gone down, but I mean there just have been so many more stories come out, you know, in the last whatever to, so, so that things start to feel recycled. And, um, there are a lot of remakes and all that stuff, but that's starting to kind of trail off. It looks like, like people, like, I hope so. I think a lot of people were so, uh, so angry about like, Oh, it's another remake. It's another, you know, rip off or whatever. Yeah. And, And then they started having to make their own originals again, even though, from a studio perspective, that's terrifying. Right. Doing something original because you don't know if it's going to take off or not. Mm-hmm. But like the biggest thing that seems to be taking off movie wise, uh, in my perspective, is the horror genre. Or, well, I want, I guess, supernatural genre. Okay. Like Get Out, A Quiet Place. Like these are, they're actually putting effort now into making movies good that have those type of themes. They're not just. Yeah. Slash jump scares. Yeah, jump scares and slasher flicks. That because whenever you have a movie that's just jump scares and no atmosphere, it doesn't make you feel anything. Mm-hmm. Then people say it's bad. You know, even if it's not that bad of a movie, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, it was just, just jump scares. It wasn't scary." You right. know. <laughs> uh, so people have to make good things now, um, and and especially yeah with with TV also, it's just everyone needs good stories or they're not they're not going to binge. You know, so yeah. it has to be good. Yeah, and that's the, the Netflix has, I guess, blown the doors off of that as well. Mm-hmm. Just being able to have as much content as you would as you would want, whether you want to watch a movie or you want to watch something that's like ten years in twenty episodes each season or something like that. Uh, do you see like so? You see yourself with like the PA Traveler. <clears throat> 
Are you looking at Netflix? You're looking at PBS, obviously. PBS. I, I would think the Travel Channel, right, would be a place for it. YouTube would be a place for it. Where do you picture it going? What do you picture doing with it? I mean, obviously, right now you wanted to get it to PBS, but right. I feel like it would fit into any of those. Um, yes and no. Probably not like a Netflix or any of the bigger uh, places, simply because it's local. Mm-hmm. So it's very like, like if I had a show that was going all over the country. Or, or something like that, then it would be more accessible to more to, to networks, to streaming, to all that stuff. But sure. but currently, um, it's just since it's local and it's only for Pennsylvania, it's really PBS or self distribution is what I see going forward. Um, so hopefully PBS uh, wants wants to do it because I could see this, you know, being um, a change of pace for them. Like from their typical programming, it's generally a little more like slow paced, but my show is a lot more fast paced with humor yeah. and, and all that good stuff and also showing off Pennsylvania. Um, so I could see it probably going on a website and marketing the website mm-hmm. um, versus YouTube. Um, but I very well could go the YouTube route also. So it just depends on, on what answer I get, I guess, uh, currently. See, you say about like it not being that it wouldn't be like nationally picked up or something like that. But I feel like as long as the show's entertaining, like as long as you're entertaining and it's a fun show to watch, even though it's just about Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. somebody in like, you know, Arkansas could watch that and be like, oh, I love this guy. Kenny does an awesome job with this show about Pennsylvania. I'll enjoy watching it because people will watch anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's true. They'll watch literally anything <laughs> as that's long true. as there's some sort of entertainment value behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I haven't really thought too much about a, a national appeal with that, but I do see this being able to, you know, if it gets popular enough, transform into, you know, the Northeast Traveler or the, you know, you know, America, you know, travel all of America or whatever. It's just, yeah. um, you know, how much does this show take off? That'll determine all of my huge grand scheme plans Mwahaha, you know <laughs> but for world domination yeah 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 Pennsylvania. yeah exactly so i just um just focusing on getting season one underway and uh and then going from there but you know we're we're definitely going to be uh, basically for season one i i uh cut the state into six pieces and i'm just going to do one in each area oh, okay. um for for starters just so everybody all over the state has at least one place that they can easily access within driving a couple distance. hours. Yeah. 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 Something like that. That's a cool model to go with that way. Somebody, something for everyone. Yeah, exactly. I, I want this to be for everybody. You know, it's like I said, I, I don't, I, I definitely want it to be a resource, uh, and, and something that can, um, help people and something they can use, um, just to have fun with the family or, you know, just go on a little excursion with their significant other or, or just themselves, you know, show, show places that they go, Oh, I, I could eat lunch there, you know, um, by myself. It looks like a cozy place that I can, you know, take my laptop or whatever. Yeah. And, and just get people out and about in their backyard for sure. People actually do something in Pennsylvania. Yep. Get up and start doing something. Yep. And find cool places to go. Exactly. Um, if they want to find the first episode, where, or if they want to find more information, I guess, about you, about PA Traveler, maybe they want to get in contact with you to help you or they just want to watch what you're doing. Sure. How do they find you? Um, yeah, so it's facebook.com slash the PA Traveler. That's that's kind of where I'm keeping the central hub okay. of everything. Um, and then I also have Instagram, PA Tra- the PA Traveler, 
Twitter, the PA Traveler. And um, I mean, you can email me too at the PA Traveler at gmail.com. And um, yeah, soon, you know, when, whenever we start getting answers for, you know, what, how we're distributing and everything like that, I'm going to be able to start releasing clips and other stuff. So if you follow me on uh, primarily Facebook, but everything else, um, I'll, you'll be able to start seeing little clips from the show and actually know what we're talking about as opposed to just listening to us talk about it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I, you know, more power to you. I love it. I love the idea. I think it's awesome. It's really, once again, wrapping back around to the beginning of like just saying it's cool to find people in Pennsylvania locally who are doing this sort of stuff and like have a passion for something and are taking the thing that you're an expert at that you've been doing for years and then now turning, turning it into your own thing where mm-hmm. like you're directly benefiting from it and directly in control of it. Totally. Cause that's like, it's a lot of work being totally in control of something, but it also is incredibly satisfying when you do it the way you want it done. Yeah, no, it totally is. Um, when, whenever I was done with that pilot, <laughs> that was like the happiest day of the last decade <laughs> for me. I was just like this sense of accomplishment, you know, it was, it was just one of the best feelings in the world. So if you have the, the ability to do something for yourself, even if it's on the side, you know, give it a whirl because it just feels so good. Yeah. Even if what you do, uh, permanently doesn't feel as good, Yeah. you know? Um, so definitely get out, create, um, and use your imagination. I think we all have that in our head. We, I, I think, I, I think that everybody has that in their head, no matter what kind of job you have, you always have that thing that you're always thinking, man, I'd, I'd love to do that. I want to do that. And some people never, ever getting get around to doing it. Some people act like it's just some sort of pipe dream that can't actually happen. But if you have like an hour or, you know, even 20, 30 minutes in your day that's free, just spend that time just just chipping away a little bit of that thing you want to do. And eventually it'll turn into something. Yeah, I think the the issue is identifying what you want to do. Mm-hmm. That's that's generally where people like there's a lot of I can't. There's a lot of, you know, it won't happens, you know, whatever. But you have to at least know what it is that you quote unquote, can't do, <laughs> you know, you, you, you gotta, you gotta go, okay, ideally, what would I do if I had, if money was no option, right. you know, if time I didn't was, care what people thought unlimited resources. Exactly. What, what do I want to do? And that's really where, you know, true happiness comes, I think. Yeah. And that's what this country's about. Really. Mm-hmm. I just had Steve Sheets on, like I said, and his thing was, and I, when I was reading the Sheets book and he was talking about it and it, Resonate with me because I'm somebody who lived with a lot of fear for a long time. Still have it, but st- I'm, I'm working my way out of it. Starting my own business was a way of doing that. Just like doing certain things to get myself out of that mindset. And he said at a young age, his brother Bob taught him uh, through Bob's actions that we live in a country where you literally can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It's just, are you going to go do it or not? Right. And that's it. Totally. He learned that at a young age. And look at Sheets. I mean, look at the, the company, the industry they've created. I'm sorry. What's what's sheets? Oh, you never. It's uh. I've sheets, never heard of sheets. With a Z on the end, though. Oh, okay. MTOs. You know, a little bit of gas. Okay. Uh, Something like that. Yeah, cheese sticks. <laughs> 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 yeah. If I didn't know what cheats was, being from Altoona, then <laughs> there'd be something wrong. I should uh, leave the state now. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> love but, sheets. But I love that man. I, I love the the motivation for it and the idea behind it. Um, is there anything else you want to throw in? Anything else you want to that we didn't touch on? That you wanted to bring up? Um. I don't think so. Okay. I think we're we're all good it's for too now. Late. If you don't now, never can happen again. This is it. You're never going to have me on again? <laughs> oh, man. This is the last chance, though. I'm just <laughs> with you. Yeah, I'd love to have you on again. I'd love to 
the progress of the show and just yeah. talk about all the steps involved. I think this could be very motivational for a lot of people, either if they're in the, that in your industry or even if they're just doing their own thing. Just to, just I, I love learning processes. You know what I mean? And, and the process of you going from where you were working with Hollywood stuff to doing your own thing and watching that grow. That, that's a great process. Mm-hmm. Bringing it back to you while you're still in the Hollywood industry. Totally. You're still. That's the other part of this, right? Is you're not out of that industry. No. That's still not at all your deal. It's just yeah. I'm still looking to edit bigger and bigger movies, you know, and uh, hopefully be attached to some things in the near future. But also being able to make this show because this is uh, it's going to be great for you know opportunity wise to edit big budget films for obviously monetarily and and um, just getting more people to watch your you know what you spent so much time creating. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like the show is the meaningful part to me. And uh, that's definitely going to be the engine that keeps me going for sure. So I do want to edit big budget Hollywood films, but I still want to be the PA traveler too. Yeah, do both. Why mm-hmm. not? Why not? Because that keeps your skill level super high totally. for anything that you do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, Kenny, thank you so much for coming in, man. And uh, good luck with everything. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Oh, my goodness. So much fun talking with Kenny. Kenny, thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you for uh, doing what you're doing for Pennsylvania. I love it. Now, also, shout-outs to Sports Evolution, 2900 Plank Road in Altoona, sportsevolution.net. That's where I take Gracie Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu from a purple belt. He is, his name is Alan Coble. He's also certified CrossFit uh, Level 1 and 2, certified personal trainer and strength and conditioning specialist. At Leading Athletes on Facebook and Instagram. But the business is Sports Evolution, 2900 Plank Road, Altoona, sportsevolution.net, and Harlequin Pepper Yoga. So, Erin, who runs Harlequin Pepper Yoga, is doing something really cool. She has this discount code set up. So, whether you uh, contact her and join up through the App Store or through Google Play, or you walk into Harlequin Pepper Yoga and you say the words or type the words Rob Z. You will get one month free toward a six-month or a year membership. One month for free toward a six-month or a year membership. Just say Rob Z when you walk in or you find it on the App Store or Google Play. Or if you hit her up, maybe you DM her on uh, Facebook or Instagram, Harlequin Pepper Yoga. It's Vinyasa Yoga. Rooted in science, focusing on functional movement and anatomical alignment. Uh, Harlequin Pepper Yoga, 320 Allegheny Street in Hollidaysburg. Thank you to Kenny Dodson for being on the show. If you do something like Kenny does, if you're doing amazing things and you want to talk about them, I just love learning about people and the cool things they do. Message me. Find me and contact me at robzradio.com. My zebras, thank you for being a part of the show. Until next time, I love ya. That's brutal.